That's an excellent way to start the show. How are you guys doing? You got locked out of your office today. I did. I texted you guys at, at 20 till 9 saying, I'm locked out of my office. Hold tight. That's fun. Uh, but uh, a screwdriver, it's a, it's one of those privacy door locks, so you can unlock it from the outside. And uh, it turns out that the kind that I had, you didn't even need to find the, the slot. You just had to stick a, something skinny in there, like a Duresta ice pick, and there it's spring-loaded, and it pops, and the lock came undone. So right. we made it, and here we right. are. Very good. Nice. Thank God. Did I ever tell you a story about when uh, I broke into the closet to get my Christmas presents? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I want to hear about so it. The, I mean, it's nothing amazing, but, you know, as like a... 10 year old or something there was this closet in our hallway and it was a really shallow closet but i it was always locked and i never knew why because it wasn't big enough to be a room it was just like a tiny little space and so i was home after school by myself several days a week for a little while and so one time i got bored and i was like i gotta figure out how to get into this closet (laughs) and so i'm like messing with the lock and i don't really know how to pick the lock but then it dawned on me that the hinges were on the outside of the Yep. So I just like went and got a hammer pins. and a screwdriver and popped the pins out, pulled the whole door off the thing, and I was like, hey, look, Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in like, I don't know, October or something. So then I knew what I was getting for Christmas, and I just had to wait for several months or however long it was. I don't remember. but wow. So won't tell my kids that trick. <laughs> Our parents didn't have much money, so the good gifts always came from the grandparents. And the grandparents were away, and I was in charge of taking care of their dog every day. And silly me, I'm snooping around up in their bedroom, and I see all the presents underneath their bed. And Mm. the only one that I remember is uh, the board game Murder, She Wrote. I got got that (laughs) as a gift. And it... (laughs) And I, I just, I'm just now realizing this. Edition right one now. or edition two? <laughs> it's a, it's a first printing. Um, I hate board games. I do not play board games, really? and I haven't in a long time. And it might be because I got Murder She Wrote as a kid. Wow! <laughs> set the stage for like this is what games are like. Yeah. Nope. Oh That's man. Funny. Kids, kids are, are I, I know what me and my brothers did, and I can only imagine what my sister did. When you leave them home alone, if you think you have anything private, you got to put it in like a bank vault because yeah, oh yeah, it's getting snooped through. Every one of you listening out there, unless it's in a bank <laughs> vault and you have kids that are able to walk around, <laughs> it's getting touched, snooped through, played with, and put back exactly the same way you left it, so you don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I I mean, I specifically remember one toy at Christmas that I unwrapped. It was under the tree in the house. Like, you know, it wasn't hidden in a room where I could sneakily go and do it with nobody watching. Like, it was in the main room of the house. And somehow I got in there and, like, pressed my finger on the scotch tape long enough that it got a little gooey and I could, like, (laughs) un... Like, unwrap it, and then I could see what it was. And it was the same kind of deal. I'm like, sweet, this is the Transformer that I really wanted. And then I had to wrap it back up and put it back under the tree and wait for however long. That is hilarious. Can't trust kids. Anyway, what are you guys up to? What have you been doing? Dave, you go. Uh, So, a couple days ago, I put out the video on making the box joints with the router. 
And so then we used that jig to make a really cool, what I think is a really cool walnut toolbox. So that video has been shot and that's coming out the day that this comes out. And so this week we're filming two videos. We're filming, I'm going to do a channel trailer video. And then we're also filming uh, like how to do cope and stick joinery for doors, which is going to lead to the following week's video when we make the bifold doors for the closet, which is going to use cope and stick joinery. Mm, that's yeah, cool. So everything is kind of kind of lining up, and it's uh, the doing the tip videos makes the project videos go a little bit faster because I can say if you want some in-depth detail, go check out that video. It's dedicated just to that, and those videos get found in search and have a long shelf life and, and all that. So. That's what we're doing over here. Right on. We, uh, right it's on. funny because this past week we've actually been filming a new channel trailer and uh, videos like that for, <clears throat> excuse me, for Patreon. And we're kind of redoing all of those types of videos that are, you know, just like necessary marketing things. Uh, yeah. So we're spending time getting those all set up too. What I'm doing for my channel trailer is still a woodworking video. That way, it, it's not so much of a what the crap is this. So it's going to be like five things you need to get started in woodworking. But the beginning of the video is like, hello, I'm David. This is what this channel is about. This is the goal. Here are your five tips. And that's going to be the channel trailer for, you know, a year or so. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Smart. Yeah. Well, I've been just, I just finally put to bed on Friday. I shipped out the uh, projects I made for the Carhartt. Uh, cohort Guinness collaboration build and those so those shipped and actually today right after we're done I'm driving to Baltimore so I'm going to spend uh, this evening and tomorrow in Baltimore making sure that the shipment got there okay I'm going to bring tools with me if anything broke in shipment and it's I built three bars and they're going to be uh, distributed around the country and they have the cohort branding and the Guinness beer branding and also Team, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. There's a team on top. Maybe I, I really don't know. I don't understand the rollout of the branding here, but there's a very special team that's also honored at the top of the bar. I could say it in the after show. Um, I just don't want to, because there's very, very specific branding goals that they're trying to hit. And, you know, I kind of half read every email they send me. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, all right. <laughs> and I, I sent, uh, well, it's funny. I just, before we started this morning here, I put up the three teasers that they sent me. And the reason I knew that it was safe to put the teasers up, because when you when you deal with like four corporate people from three corporations, I have 75,000 emails. And I don't, like, if you need a very specific piece of information on one of those emails, I must screen grab it. And I didn't screen grab this one little bit of information. So I didn't know exactly when I was able to, but then I saw Carhartt put out some of the teasers and I saw Guinness put out some of the teasers. And so I just put all three of them out on my channel. And so I figured they, they put it out. It's safe for me to put it out. And there's still one more teaser, which will probably be out by the time this airs. So I just had to double check. And uh, so it's fun. It's a really great project. And I got to build bars. It's you know a little bit in line with what I've been doing for years with, with Bullet Bourbon and and Dickel. So, uh, and it's the same company. It's the same mother company. Diageo owns all those brands and then Carhartt's involved now. So it's funny. Everybody thought I'd been with Carhartt for years and this is really the first project I've done with them. When I've done TV shows, they've always supplied clothes to those TV shows, but never directly to me, but through the production company. So I never had any personal 
interaction with anybody there until recently. And, and they're great. They're great guys. And it's, it's been a pleasure. So that's it. I've been working on that. And then this weekend, I'd like to thank Michael from Montreal. He brought me a planer that was going to go into the scrap bin, a uh, planer made in, in Canada. It's got French writing all over it and it's about 80 years old. And it was, it's been in use up until about two weeks ago. And so when we oh. talked and uh, he's like, do you want it? I was like, you know what? I would want it. But for me to drive 300 miles, I can't imagine the U.S. border and customs will probably have an easy time letting me back in with something like that. They're going to assume there's some sort of drugs hidden in the casting or something and they make my life hell. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to pass on it. And I sent it out to a couple of my Canadian friends to see if they were interested. And he said, no one called. And he goes, if you want it, I'll bring it down to you. I need a reason to go for a drive with the kids. And so he came and spent the weekend with us. And we had a great time. Really nice time. So I want to thank him if he's listening. And I got a new planer. I'll do some social media on it this week. You guys will see it. That's it. 20 inch, 20 inch wide planer. It's one of those kind of like open casting ones that, that look very vintage. So hmm. I got to set that whole thing up. Yeah, it's going to be, it's a monster. Probably weighs how 1,500 close, pounds, 1,500 pounds. How close are you to running out of space to have... <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's a legitimate question. Yeah, no, I understand. Idea. Like, to having things set up to where you can use them and not have to move stuff around. Like, are you getting close, or do you still have a lot of open... No, I, I still have a lot like of that? open space, and, you know, I'm also shoveling, sho- <laughs> shoveling, shuffling stuff around, and I've given stuff away. You know, there, there comes a point in time where, like, I have a... Pro- like, I bought a lathe a few... about a year ago, and I just put it up for sale through Andrew Alexander. I said, if you know any of, because it's a very old, old lathe, like kind of his crew would be interested in something made in the 1880s. And I said to the to him, I said, here's some pictures, see if you could sell it. I'll get rid of that. So, I mean, I am, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not that crazy hoarder yet that needs to keep every single thing I, I buy. So I am shuffling through stuff. And, uh, you know, there have been some people locally that want printing presses. And I just met, I just met the the old steam and the Hudson, uh, Columbia County steam engine guys, and they have a printing press shop. And I talked to them oh. about maybe giving them one or two of the printing presses I have that I probably don't use as much, and just you know keeping them over there. At least I'll know they'll you know they'll they'll get used and viewed by by spectators. So that's good. Um, yeah. So I, I do shuffle things around and I do make room. And we have this one. I got this building that I rent, and there's a big section that we never really took advantage of. And my landlord says you could use that if you want. It just needs to be cleaned up. There's like rain leaks into it and stuff, but it's good for storage as long as nothing's like on the ground, and we can fix the leak. So me and Brett discussed trying to get that place sorted out. It's another like thousand square feet that's just dead storage, so hmm. we could just stick it over there. That's cool. So, yeah, so we're shuffling I mean, that around. That's, that, that's where I put that big 13-foot sander that I've been using recently. It's in there. so And there's still plenty of room in there. I can just see that being a problem where you have, you know, you're getting tools that you like legitimately will use, and they just yeah. take space, and you have to have, like, in-feed and out-feed, and you have to have them set up. Yeah. And, this planer, you know, I'm you, not sure not where it's going like to go. Not even, like, hoarding, but just having them available to use. <laughs> no, you're right. Space, so. And it's funny, this weekend, too, uh, while Michael was there and his kids and Taylor and, and my friend Ryan, we, we rearranged a lot of stuff in the shop. And we shuffled a lot of stuff around. And all of a sudden, we had, like, another, I don't know, six, 700 empty square feet of space in the shop. Because I'm still, I'm still like, stuck in that just moved in mode. You know what it's like when you have a warehouse and you're just like, you guys know what it's like when you have a warehouse and you just throw <laughs> stuff in it. And uh, <laughs> totally. Bob, you'll feel, you, maybe you won't because you, you, you're settled. But 
you, but we had to get out of the city. So we just threw everything in there. And then it's like, we just basically made a pile and then just kept chipping off that pile. And the residue of that pile is still in the middle of that room. And that's what really, we really have to go through it. And yeah, it's like, this is your life, Jimmy DeRest. Remember when you bought this hammer in 1994? <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. But like, that's like, it's going on constantly with me. Hmm. Going I mean, I'm kind of running into it a little bit where, you know, like, just getting like I I think I talked about this. I bought a sandblasting cabinet recently, just a Harbor Freight cheapo whatever. Because I had a one of the R two D two pieces I had painted with good paint, but I did a bad job painting it, or I did it incorrectly, and so I had to get that off. But I I couldn't actually sand it, so I'm like, well, you know, ninety nine bucks at Harbor Freight will get me a small sandblasting cabinet. I can completely clean up this piece of aluminum, and it'll look great, and then I can paint it correctly, right? And so that was pretty easy to convince myself to go get that relatively inexpensive tool, even if I didn't have a whole lot of uses for it. But once you get that thing back and you're done using it for that one time, then you have this big red block that you have to do something with. And so it's like stuff like that, that will be handy. I will use it again. So I don't want to, I don't want to turn around and sell it, but it just, it has to go somewhere. A, A good dead spot is under the big CNC machine. So that's exactly where I put it. That's exactly where I put it. Because it that's it not moving right in. Yeah, yeah. And it's the plenty. There's like, there's probably about, you know, 40 cubic air speed, air feet, cubic feet of airspace under there. And everything yeah. just gets shoved under the CNC machine. I got to make skirts yeah, for it. I've got that under there. There's a motorcycle frame under there that I may get to <laughs> one of these days. Maybe not. I don't really know. But yeah, it's, you know, stuff like that. You don't necessarily need it out all the time. It doesn't need to be set up ready to go. But I don't want to get rid of it, you know. I mean, I'm sure I'll use it again if it's available. Yeah. But there's stuff like that. You know, the obvious big tools that you use all the time, you keep out and keep them, you know, keep the in-feed clear and the out-feed clear so you can just use them. But then there's this other stuff that, like, it's got to go somewhere in the meantime, you know. Yeah. Oh, and by the way. That's what. Oh, you go. You what? go ahead. I, I, I'll tell something well, gonna, after. We're good. Well, well, you know, we talked in, in the past about me getting a mill, and it's like uh, I'm almost – purchased a small i don't think i'm going to go like the big do a bridge port or something like that it's just too big for what for me um so i've thought i've looked at a few kind of benchtop size you know something yeah. in the middle there yeah but even that it's like i'm not sure where to put that because you can't move that easily once you get that you drop it in place it's kind of there still and so heavy. the little ones are still i don't have a great spot to just put it if it's not going to be used a whole lot and so I guess it's not a bad thing that it's making the the space and not wanting to completely clutter up the space is making me be a little pickier about, you know, when I get something or if I get something. Like I got that I'll tell you what, yeah. a while back and that, that thing is, I know that I will use that and I can use it in a bunch of different ways. So it's got a big front Good and center purpose. place where it's, you know, accessible. Well, I'm getting this big bandsaw shipment to me and I'm getting my pizza oven, which everything has like a specific destination in my category of places but i am definitely slowing down next year i'm i'm on a huge stuff diet unless it's like a really 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 collectible you know desirable something i'm on a stuff diet i and, and i'm gonna start giving stuff away i did it in the city a few years ago i remember when we came to pod when i came to the making 100 i gave away a truck full of stuff and i'm gonna i'm about to do something like that again just to just to make some room and just you know it's bloodletting it's always nice you always feel better after bloodletting well, it's like curating, right? I mean, you're collecting all these big, crazy machines and, and stuff that is interesting to you. But 
after you have them for a few years, you realize that like those two bandsaws are way more interesting or more unique than the other ones that you had. So, I mean, being able yeah. to curate that, I think it's a pretty good move. You know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Oh, and I, I left one important thing out that I did this week. I shot with this old house. I shot a, another episode of Ask This Old House with Tom Silva. So I got to meet the legendary Tom Silva. We spent Monday, uh, was it Monday? I forget when they came. No, Thursday. Uh, it's, it's been such a whirlwind. So they came and shot all day on Thursday, the 22nd. And we, we had a really great day. And we made, it's funny, we talk about... Uh, you know, we, we always set our expectations, like things need to be grand, and it's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. But we, Heath, the producer's like, we only have like a few hours, so we don't want to make anything elaborate. So I did two drawings. I said, what about like a whole tree where you have a shelf, like a key shelf, and you put your shoes under, and there's a mirror and coat hooks? He's like, can we do something a little less complicated? I'm like, all right, well, that's not complicated at all. I'm like, how about just a, a like a post with spikes sticking off it? And he's like, perfect, let's do that. I'm like, really? That's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we we started building it, and we used railroad spikes, and because that was the initial idea was to nail them into a piece of wood. And he's like, well, Tom wants to learn how to weld, so I want you to teach him how to weld on camera. I was like, perfect. And so we ended up putting it together, and it came out really good. It was like one of those things where at the end. Uh, at the end, everyone was like, who, who you taking it? Are you taking it? Can, can I have it? Can I have it? And then I'm like, oh, I'm keeping that thing. It's great for all the welding gear. And so it came out good. So you see it on my Instagram, but, uh, meeting Tom Silva was great. He's a really funny guy. And he's like such a seasoned veteran. He's, he's, he's been working with this old house for 35 or 36 years. It's unbelievable. But, I mean, you got to think about that for a second. You taught Tom Silva how to weld. I know. That's what I'm saying. It was, like, it was and he was <laughs> that is so cool. He literally like one time bad, two times okay, third time he's perfect. Like zzz, awesome. like that much. Oh, okay. What'd you do wrong? Do this. Zzz, okay, better. Zzz, perfect. Like that's how his learning went. And I just that's stepped awesome. aside and let him do the things. And uh, but it was good. We had a we had a lot of laughs off camera. Very very funny guy. He's like kind of a jokester. And uh, so. Uh, uh, thank you to this old house and the crew there if they're listening. But uh, yeah, it was another, it was an honor. And I didn't expect, because they usually plan with me like three months out and I hadn't heard from them. So I was like, all right, you know, we shoot at the end of August for the last two years in a row. And I, so I guess I'm not in it this year. That's all fine. And I asked Heath a question about something completely different. And he, he wrote back and he said, oh, dude, you know, you're not on the schedule this year. You know, it doesn't mean we don't love you. I was like, no problem. You know, I can understand that. And then an hour later, he's like, you know what? We want to teach Tom how to weld. Are you going to be around? I'm like, I'll be there. So if I didn't ask him this unrelated question, it had nothing to do with the show schedule. It was just a personal question about something he and I were working on a while back. Anyway, that just kind of like you pick the scab and then open the communications. And then it's like, <laughs> what a gross analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. You know what I mean? It's like you pull that string and then all of a sudden your sweater is off, yeah. you know, whatever that is. Heath is a great one to follow on Instagram and, and Twitter. He's a really Ooh. good photographer, and he's great at documenting the uh, the, the oh, builds Heath. and the stuff that. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. Heath Russell. Heath Rad, I think it's Russell or Radicella. Heath Radicella is great. So when they come to film, how many people are there? Like, what's the crew like for that show? It's a super tight crew. It's basically a cameraman and uh, and he's the cameraman, audio man, and his assistant. And there's. Heath and Sarah, they're the two show producers. And then they have one PA assistant and the talent. That's it. It's like literally like five mm. people. And and it's either, it would either be Q 
Kevin or in this case it was Tom. Kevin didn't come this time. And so that's it. And and Tom drove himself. He came, showed up in his own car and he they had more to do. We had beauty shots and stuff. And when Tom was wrapped, he left about an hour before everybody else. And uh, yeah, it's super, they have it down. So, so tight. And he, they literally like shoot it exactly as you see it. Like there's no, like we do like five takes, uh, like four, like we do like two takes from five angles and then that's it. We do like two or three takes from five angles and then that's it. You know, like, so we, it's all stacked up. I can only imagine because I know how I edit. You want to keep things in order, like to shoot mm-hmm. one thing that's way out of order. Then when you do your final edit, you're like, oh, my God, you published it and you forgot to put the thing because it was out of order. You understand what I'm saying? Like that one close up that you shot on your other camera, you forgot about it. The timeline's different. So it shows up somewhere else inside your 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 inbox. So they shoot everything in sequence, which is this makes them can only imagine makes their life a lot easier down the other end. So it's hmm. it's super tight. It's really really re- well efficient. Run very efficiently. Nice. Yep. Um, so this past week, I um, I guess it was probably the week before I made the barn doors. I told you guys about making the barn doors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did so you put a video I, out? I you made, didn't put a video out yet. Say what? Did you put a video out on that yet? No. No, it'll be this week. Oh. It'll be out by the time this shows out. But we got to talking about it because I'm I made these doors. They're a, a angle iron frame with a diagonal. Uh, flat bar strip going from corner to corner and then there's cedar panels on the back side of it all screwed into that framework. And so I did the doors. I'd, I've looked at several examples of of large doors like fences, fence doors and stuff. And they always have the diagonal piece so that the one end doesn't sag. That holds it up. And I have seen examples of it with so from the hinge side of the door the diagonal goes down. I've also seen it going up, and I did mine down so that when you're looking at the barn, it the diagonals of the two doors V, right? So they meet at the bottom where the doors meet. And so when Forby was doing the edit, he he like was like, "Hey, is this right?" Because you know, trying to get ahead of trolls and people that are going to point it out, because we could easily just flip the doors over and it would be the other direction to where it V's up instead of V's down. And so we got to talking about it and. I looked at several examples and I actually found one on this old house on their website that had it the way that I had it with it V'd down. And so yeah. I actually thought it would just be interesting to ask you guys what you thought about this. Because, you know, it's, from uh, my perspective, if it's V'd towards the center, it's hanging. Intention. It's intention or compression. Right. So if you put the V up, then it's in compression. Mm-hmm. But it's a steel frame. Yeah, I don't think it matters once it's a steel frame. My doors don't even have a V on them. And it's been right. over a year, and they're still hanging good. We welded one with a little bit of a droop in it. That was our mistake. And I've been intending to put a, a, a diagonal to pull it up because it droops about a half inch than the, more than the other door, and that's over 12 feet, so it's not so bad. And yeah. I just haven't added it yet. It hasn't gotten any worse, and the other two doors, which are nearly perfect, haven't drooped at all. I'm waiting to insulate them before I put that diagonal on them which is i'm going to do very soon because the winter's coming so i'm going to insulate the doors and 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 put the a seal from the inside but with a steel door like i said my how big are your angle irons are they three by three eh, no it's like one and a half oh it's wow, a much so smaller door than yours i mean these doors yeah. are uh like four feet by seven and a half or something oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah i would definitely put it down because <clears> even though it, it's everything's small the scale could the wood gets wet and all of a sudden the door gets 
you know, 50% heavier, you know, mm. stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it can't hurt to do it. I'm, like I said, I'm going to add them to mine. I just, I'm just waiting so that it doesn't interfere with the insulation before I do it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it depends too. Like when, when you're, if you do a wooden door and you, you don't attach it all together right, it could literally push the door apart, you know, if your joinery mm-hmm. isn't good. Because you know, it's, it's pushing and the, you're putting stress on all the joints. That's why sometimes people just put a, a straight up X. I've seen an X on there too. You got to mm-hmm. you know make sure the X interacts or you know the tension goes through the middle of the X. You kind of lap joint that middle. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it, it all depends. It depends on the you know it's we're gonna get a lot of hate mail. I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just curious if you guys had any more insight than I do. I yeah. have nothing. I've I mean, noticed so that we- it did. I noticed it like uh, like farm gates and stuff over time it will push them apart yeah you know, but it all if you push it apart then you know it's doing its job it's keeping things from rubbing against the ground yeah so i, I kind of did a thing went shot a little piece to put in the video after we had this discussion just to address it because i don't know you know it's not like one is clearly better than the other they're both kind of good in different ways and since it's a steel frame i think it probably doesn't matter but i don't really know that i don't have experience to be able to like back that up so we uh, put a little piece in the video saying this is a thing that i'm not really sure about but if it is a problem all we have to do is take both doors off and flip them over (laughs) and then the you know then they're in compression um but it's it was kind of interesting because it was the first time we caught something in edit that we couldn't physically change like the doors are up and I could go flip them, but we did an intro with the doors that are in position that I can't redo. And this others, we were just trying to be clever. Basically we just couldn't change it, but I can still change it in the future if I need to. But it's the first time I've gone back and shot a thing to add to a video that was complete before the video went out. Mm. Um, but it got me thinking a little bit about how nice it would be if you could make some sort of an addendum to videos because there's a lot of time. I mean, at least for me, there's pretty much every video, there's something that I do wrong or I've misspoken or something like that. And people, you know, well, you get a thousand comments of like, Oh, you said this instead of this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, my bad. But I can't go back and actually just like fix it. So people will stop mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking how cool it would be. There used to be Not video that replies. W- Remember that? There used to be video replies. Yeah. And this would never happen, but it got me thinking about how cool it would be if you could put like, video annotations within a video like little picture in picture thing would pop up at a point so somebody if they wanted to they could pause it later and watch your little response to it you know because then you could if you had educational content and you did something that was incorrect or new information came out you could go back and update videos without replacing things you could like add additional input i don't know yeah that's cool yeah. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, I get a chance to do a video. I get a chance to shoot a video, put it up. And then for Patreon, I do the voiceover version. So I get a chance yeah. to learn a little bit about, yeah, when I was doing this, I thought I was doing it right, but I was doing it wrong. Or this is a great thing. I did three of them off camera. And these are the ones that look good because I learned how to do it off camera. So on my Patreon, I have voiceover videos for nearly everything that I make, like ongoing. So... That's a little sales pitch for me, for everybody. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Signing up I mean, right now. so like last week I put out the little cat uh, proof, not really cat proof, um, toilet paper holder. And it was really just an excuse to do bent lamination. But it was so funny because 
the our cats will just mutilate a roll of toilet paper. They can oh, stand saw- on top of the toilet and they just like shred it. And I it's saw this that. pile. And <laughs> I so like when I you go, this- you go, you go, you go. Let's see if it's cat proof, and the cat just runs away, and you're like, perfect, it worked great. Yeah. <laughs> so I get so many comments, like probably a hundred comments that said, "Just turn the the roll of toilet paper around." <laughs> and that was one of those things I'm like, no, you don't, you people don't understand. They're not like gingerly unrolling it like, oh, ha ha, look at me being a funny cat. I'm going to unroll it. No, they like mutilate it as yeah. if it were an animal <laughs> and they were yeah. a bigger animal. Yeah, my and cat so, does that too. Yeah. Anyway, well, it turns out that they can actually still get to it. They can't do the <laughs> entire roll, but they, I don't know who's doing it because I haven't seen them, but they'll reach underneath the thing and just shred a chunk of it and pull it out somehow still. So I'm looking forward and to it. And then there were also, two. you know, another another hundred comments that were like, just get rid of the cat, which is just useless. But anyway. So I had a lot of response to that that I would love to have been able to make a little, you know, addendum to. And I try to pin comments as a way to do that. So I'll write a comment in response to a bunch of the repeated comments and pin it to the top. But you know, I don't read comments on someone else's video when I go to watch the video and I wouldn't expect people to do the same. It would just be nice to be able to have a way to address something within the video that someone's watching it. They still get to see that like, oh, here's some new response or a new an updated chunk or something. But anyway, you could just not gonna make put YouTube. mittens on the cat. That's <laughs> that's that's what it is. Well, other people are like, just close the bathroom door. I'm like, well, <laughs> the cat's food and water is in the bathroom. Like, how am I? I'll just close well, the door and then they won't be able to eat. And obviously, it. you could just move the food in the water, Bob. I mean, come on. Obviously. Yeah. Why are you Thank wasting you your time know. making stuff? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, they sell those at Walgreens. Right, right. Yeah. right. So, we had kind of a topic that we were talking about before we started recording. Jimmy, you want to take this? Because you kind yeah. of. Yeah, I, I was in a. We were just talking a little bit. I'll, I'll, I, I published some of the teasers this morning for the Carhartt Guinness branding collaboration, and and they made these. This guy Jay Silver, who's a, a, a DP, came with a red camera a couple of days ago, like maybe just like a, just about a week ago, I guess. And he shot me working on some of the process steps. And he works. For, he was hired by Carhartt as an independent DP, director of photography, to come and shoot some stuff. And he showed up with a red camera, so me and Brett get a chance to drool over and watch him set up his red camera. And he owns the red camera. He's like an independent guy. And so Jay shot a bunch of really cool stuff of us, uh, of me working on the stuff. And so now that was all, it went to the editors. I don't know who edited it, but it came out now with the card branding and I put it all up and I'm watching these things and I'm like, wow, I hope whatever this guy makes is good. And that, I'm the guy watching myself thinking like, oh, you better be whatever he made, it better be good. So I started getting this little nervousness. I still have it of living up to the hype. I haven't done any, I haven't done any real big social media on what these projects look like, these bars look like. And I'm frankly a little nervous that they put these teasers out there and and people are going to be like, oh, wow, oh, this is what he's done a hundred times. This is no big deal. So the idea of living up to the hype and, you know, if this was me, if this was my project, I'm, this is just how I am. I would have been, I would have just been hyping the, the video in a way of just showing everything. So it wouldn't be this big, you know, what's behind the curtain kind of thing. I, I just don't tend to do that, but they wanted to roll it out this what's behind the curtain kind of thing. And so I'm a little, I just get a little anxious that people are going to be like, 
oh, wow, no big deal, living up to the hype. And that was the conversation we were having. And living up to the hype. I, and and Dave, you, you said you do this constantly. So I think you will live up to the hype. You, you get to see yourself every day, all the time. And to you, it is no big deal. But the majority of the audience that wants to learn and see and and participate in the in the excitement it can be a big deal so Dave yeah I, I think I think one of the things though that you may because uh, I totally feel what you're feeling so I'm not being dismissive of it but I think one of the interesting things about the fact that those two companies put together that type of a sizzle real reveal thing it's not necessarily targeted at the people who already know what you do. Right. That's true. And so that's where, you know, for those people, it may be like a, Oh, well this is like, it's classic Duresta, right? Dressed up with like a fancy trailer, but for the rest of the world that likes Carhartt or Guinness, they're seeing their first introduction to you is like this kind of mysterious, look at this guy who's making a thing. We don't know what it is. Like, what is it? And when they see it, they're like, whoa, that's an awesome bar that I've never seen before because I've never seen Jimmy Duresta before. So, I mean, it's kind of cool in that way because working with companies like that and having this kind of mystique uh, may get you in front of an entirely different group of people that you've never been in front of before. Whereas if you had made your typical type of kind of promo video short version or whatever and put it in front of those same people it may they may have missed it you know they may just not have been drawn into it yeah so that's a good point one of the things that i what you're saying but one of the things that i've learned about jimmy duresta is jimmy loves branding is really good at branding but dislikes marketing like i don't see you hype yourself very much you don't show your face um it, you know, in Instagram, because you you you're not that you're not that type of person. You just let the thing that you're making speak for itself, and it's worked out right. really well for you. And, Thank you. And so I think now that you're being, um, you know, your deal with Carhartt says you have to hype this up. You have to put out these tweets, and this, so that you're doing this thing that's not really you that everybody else does. And you're, you're yeah. feeling this way. There's that and one trailer where like my face is glowing and like the the <laughs> the, the plasma cutter and the, like he's Jay filmed my glasses like filming. And it's like the whole trailer is just my face. It's like when we want to build something, we call Darista. Like my <laughs> name comes up, and I saw that. And I was just like, I literally got like red and hot when I watched it alone mm. for the first time on my computer. I'm like, oh, I didn't know they were going to do this to me. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I've, of course, I'm honored that they would do that. And, it, you know, it's a compliment. But just to, just like you said, I, I always let the work speak. And I hardly ever be the actual face of a lot of this stuff, aside from my name. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that is it's just a little outside my comfort zone. And I'm looking at myself going, oh, that double chin. I should have shaved. I needed to trim my hair. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I, I think the the thing that everybody can relate to is when you make something, you, you're constantly trying to one up yourself. You're trying to do get better. You're trying to do like, okay, I've already done this. And now it's time to move on to this. And so that's a struggle as a content creator that I deal with all the time. Like, it, what it, this thing that I'm doing is it too simple? Is it not challenging enough? Yeah. And it turns out these are just it's just a conversation that i have in my head and it doesn't really mean anything and people enjoy the videos there's new people coming along all the time that are watching my videos for the first time so 
you, it, that's easy to forget. And then just for the, the the person at home in their basement or their shop, you don't always have to one up your previous project. You could just build the thing that satisfies a need, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I always do kind of struggle with because when you see people. Um, you know, I, I do my best not to compare what I do to other people, but it's natural. Like you, you're bound to do it, especially if you follow your friends and you see what else they create. And then you immediately just want to compare it to them. And so like when I watch people like Colin Furs, who are just constantly upping the scale and the craziness of what he's doing, like, I don't know how that's sustainable. And I've talked about this before, like good for him. Awesome. I love watching it. That's fantastic. But I feel like if I were to try to, go down that path of always trying to one up myself with something more grand. It feels like just a never ending treadmill of more work and more like it, it feels like a pressure that I don't want. And I don't think is necessary, but we all kind of do that to ourselves anyway, because you're totally right, David, like people are coming in all the time. Uh, Not everybody is drawn to the bigger and the crazier and the more complex and the more, whatever some people just like to see things that are attainable and relevant to them and you know every time i do a project that i feel like is like just basic like it almost feels like a cop-out to do somebody maybe not everybody but somebody reacts to it and like oh this is refreshing like this is one i could actually pull off or this is one that i like oh i've got the tools for that one awesome um even though even though like Personally, I'll get more out of doing something like it's a little more unique or a little more special for me, and it's maybe not as relevant to other people. But then both the simple and the complex have this way of drawing certain people in and alienating other people. And so you can't nece- I, I can't necessarily do one or the other because they're both valuable to different people. They're both valuable to me in different ways. And I just have to keep myself like in a kind of a state of balancing all the time of, you know, now it's time to do something bigger. Now it's time to do something I've never done before. Now it's time to do something that I've done a thousand times, but I know how to do it. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I like to think of my videos the way I like to think of my individual edits. So if you look at the whole collection of videos and you look at my edit, I always like to say, like, for instance, I'll say to Brent, I'm like, okay, enough of this wide shot. We got to get some tights. Okay. Too many tights. Let's get some wide. So it's like, go in, come back, go in, come back. And like the grander shot versus the detail. And my, like to think of my videos in a similar way, like I'll put out like uh, a video where I put a strap on the phone, which is, I knew was going to be a three minute video where I put the strap on my phone, but there's a couple of little techniques in there that people can learn from, even if it's just literally 15 seconds worth of airtime. And so that was the primary reason I put that out because that's like a little detail video. It's only three, three and versus this 18 minute epic video of me building these three bars, which is going to be out soon. There's like 475 steps. I literally like packed into this video. I just got a rough cut last night. And uh, so uh, I just got a text from Brett. I got distracted. So the idea is like the video is like, I'll Thanks, like, Brett. instead of poo pooing like a three minute video and being like, Oh, that's not as big as, you know, this other thing I just did. Uh, let me, let me not, let me hold that back. That's why I'm just like, 
let me just go for it. I'll put it out. And then they'll, then I'll, there'll be like a canoe video or like a padlock video. These are my videos that always seem to go viral, like the bigger, more epic. And between Brett and I, like, I'm like, oh, let's shoot an epic video, which basically I kind of have a vibe. I know there's going to be a lot of steps to it. The net result's going to be really cool versus just like the battering video, which is like, oh, cool. You're just going to plasma cut a piece of metal and sharpen it. It's cool. It's a cute video, you know. Uh, you know, versus like a, me building a canoe. So it's the same as my individual edits. It's the same thing. So living up to the hype in my own world, it's easy for me because I, I'm like, I, I know my audience, I think, knows that, oh, this week is going to be a simple video. This week is just going to be this versus these guys. Like, I, like I'm watching the, the little teasers, Bob, and I, your voice would fit perfectly in there. In a world where Jimmy makes <laughs> stuff, we need something in three days called the rest of yeah. <laughs> they called me a month ago and said, hey, we want to do this. We know we don't have a lot of time. And then like when we got the deal going and then getting approvals for certain concepts and then everyone getting together on my sketches. And then and all of a sudden, I'm like, guys, we have two weeks to do this. We can do it. Let's get started. And so, yeah, the net result of I mean, two weeks. So you, you talk about like the audience understanding and I hope that they do. Um, but I, I have felt some pressure from certain parts of the audience to like, when I do something that's smaller or less complicated or, you know, like a lot of times we'll have a big thing going on in the background. And then in another three weeks, we have another kind of big thing and I want content in between there. And so I look around my house for something small, like this cat toilet paper thing. It's a silly project. It was a way to learn a new skill and actually solve a personal issue in our house. But it's a small thing that not everybody needs. And so when I do something like that, it's got a purpose. It's filling the schedule. It's solving a problem. But the response from a certain part of the audience is this like, oh, well, I guess he's out of ideas. He's, you know, yeah, he's, jumped down. <laughs> he's jumped down from like working on an R2-D2 to making a little toilet paper holder, which I, <laughs> I understand, you know, from scale you've, and complexity you've run and stuff. Out of ideas. I love that one. But, but I mean... There is that pressure, and granted, that's not from everybody. I don't, and I don't take that for anything. But you have to, whether you're making content or you're making just stuff for yourself, there will be some sort of an outside, like, oh, you're doing something simpler than you did before. Like that's you're going the wrong direction. But I think there's a lot of value in like sticking to why you're doing what you're doing, whatever that is, and trying to keep some of that outside influence and that outside pressure at bay and just like, you're not doing it for those people. And if, and if they don't understand that things ebb and flow and they up and down and life is full and less full at different times, then they're, they're just not really paying attention. And so I guess I'm saying that as an encouragement to myself, but also to everybody else that you're going to have some outside pressure about hype, about people building hype for you that you're not asking for about building some sort of a pressure that you're not asking for. And you don't have to, you don't have to work up to that pressure. You know, you don't have to fulfill anybody else's expectations and wants on you, especially if you're just making stuff as a hobby or making stuff, you know, for people, you know, like you're not bound to do bigger and better all the time. You can do. Yeah. It's funny. Do what, what you're enjoying, you know, after doing this for obviously whatever, seven or eight years and all of us in this game, I, the one thing that I think is a really important point, and I discussed it with Michael, who wants to start his channel, my friend from from Montreal. I said he he's a little nervous about, oh, I'm not going to be able to be original enough, or you know, it's going to be the same stuff everybody's used to seeing. I was like, 
Honestly, if you look at any random video, for the most part, you will learn something about that person's personality that you personally do not do that you might say, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting point of view. So it's just as many different personalities as there are is as many different personalities show up in a video if you're going to make something. And everybody's approach is unique in their own way. As subtle as it might be, everybody's approach is different. And I think because of that reason, jump in and join the party. You know, if you're on the fence about being a YouTuber. Yeah. And I think like, well, one thing in response to that too, I agree. And that's from the creative side. There's a bunch of different voices. There's a bunch of different things that make every piece, every person unique in their creation. And the number of people who consume is hundreds and thousands of times greater than the people who create. So if you're worried about there not being an audience, as, as complex and as varied as the creation is and the creators are, the audience is even more complex and even more broad and more scattered and more like there are people out there that will watch every single thing created. And I say that so that someone who's worried about getting started and not sure if not sure if they have a voice or a place to put it or if there anybody will care, there will be more people out there that care about what you say and how you say it than you have any idea are out there. Like there is an audience, I think, for pretty much everything. I think what is important to add on to that is you have to if you want to make videos, you have to make the things that you are excited about. I can go back and watch my videos and I can see like, oh, I was trying to do something that I wasn't excited about, but I thought the audience would want. And I could see my energy level is, is different. So you, hmm. I want, because I show my face and I talk on camera, I want the audience to be excited because I'm excited that I think there's a, that that feeds off of each other. So for me, I have to make the things that I want to make. If I don't, I'm not excited about it. And I can, I can tell just, just by watching. So be passionate about the thing that you're doing and don't do it because you think you're trying to game the, the system and crack the algorithm. Just make the thing that you are excited about and people are going to feed off of that energy. Like, don't make a river table unless you really want to make a river table. <laughs> but if you want to make a river table, do it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. totally do it. Yeah. But it's a, you know, gr- jumping on a trend like that just to, because you think it's going to get eyeballs, like, uh, that's not sustainable. It was interesting. I was listening to um, Made for Profit. What's up, dudes? Uh, Brad and John. And they had Evan and Caitlin on recently. And Evan and Caitlin were talking about, and you can see this when you look back at their content, but they have made an intentional shift over the past year or something like that from more detailed how-to to to a more personality-driven, like, have fun, and they happen to be making something at the same time. And it may not be terribly obvious to the outsider that they've made that switch, but I think part of the reason why they did that, and they talk about it in the episode, is they didn't want the pressure of like having to always get everything perfectly explained and perfectly correct. Whereas the process of them making something was really the, it's the subject, not the purpose. Right. And so, the, yeah, I think the they do a good job, their, a real good job at that. Yeah. And so they're taking the process of making and they're, they're kind of reframing it so that it's about them being together and about them experimenting. And, and that does take some of the pressure of, one-upmanship is that a word um 
out of it, you know, because then they're, they don't have to one up their own personalities, right? They just can be themselves and enjoy their time together. And then they're also doing stuff on the side. And I think that's kind of a good example of a way to be able to do what you want without having as much of the pressure to like always do bigger and better. I'm sure some of that still applies because they are still making things, but it's a good episode. I'll link it in the show notes if anybody wants to hear it. Yeah. Did you have some, Jimmy? I may have cut off. Oh, no, I forgot. I forgot. (laughs) No, No, it's just, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, we started out with living up to the hype, and 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 I guess in us now we're talking about people approaching YouTube for the first time, and it is that hype that people are nervous about. Like, how can I be good enough to be involved? And and just to reiterate that point, there's always going to be somebody that's interested in what you do. There's always going to be, even if even if uh, you're just starting out. Yeah. And I think um, going into it, if you do YouTube or anything else, if you go into it with the the mindset of like, I'm not always going to try to one up myself, like this is not an ever expanding thing, you may be a little bit better off because if, if you don't think about that, it will naturally happen. We all want to do better. We all want to get bigger. Uh, we want to be known for the things that we want to be known for. And if you're chasing a thing that you can never reach, you're just going to continue to chase and it's going to continue to grow. And it can be really exhausting and probably kind of backfire on you if you're not aware of it. So I think just being aware, you know, it means a lot. You guys got anything else on this uh-huh. idea? Uh-huh. How do you guys feel? Think, uh, we're at 49 minutes. How do you guys feel yeah. about, speaking of hype, marketing yourself? Like teasing and and talking about your stuff on Twitter, showing the, showing the photos on Instagram, Facebook or whatever. How how do you guys actually feel about it? I I mean, I've always had kind of a hard time with it, to be honest. Like it, if you actually look, I'm wearing one of my own shirts right now, which is a thing that it took me a very long time to do because I had this weird, and we talked about this before we talked about wearing the band shirt to your, like wearing your own band shirt, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I still don't have a good reason as to why that was an issue for me to like wear my own stuff, but it just felt very like, hey, look at me. This is my brand. Do you see my brand on my shirt on me? You know, it just felt very, and that's totally bogus. Like, I never think that about anybody else. If I see someone else wearing their own stuff, like, I don't think twice about it. But for some reason, it was a thing with me. I actively tried to get over that. <clears throat> but I think that speaks to the other parts of me that also have a really hard time like standing up and being like, Hey, check me out. Like, it's just not my personality. I just don't, I wouldn't do that in a play. I would rather be the quiet one in a room than the one that like tries to get all the attention. And, and so it marketing myself on Twitter and on Instagram, it's like a necessary part of what we do, but to like, really try to market yourself makes me really uncomfortable still. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny. I just, I had an interview this week with James Victoria and uh, he's an amazing guy. It, I talked about his book and he's working on a new project and he interviewed me for his new project. And he, he asked me for instance, about the Carhartt stuff and the, the Carhartt Guinness stuff. And he said, are they paying you to be you? Are they paying you to be you? He asked me directly. And I, for a second, I was like a little put off. I'm like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. And then as we talked a little bit, he's like, they're paying you to be you. 
they're paying. And like, he's like, point, I, I love his directness. If you don't know James Victoria, hmm. go look him up and tell him I just sent you. And uh, so even like, I didn't know, it just as usual, people always point out me, as things about me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I am good but, looking. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I didn't realize it. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of clarity in that conversation I had with James last week. And uh, uh, it, are they paying you to be you? And the only way for people to pay you to be you is for you to market you. You see what I'm saying? You can hmm. say, I am the best plumber, but I am not heartfelt about being a plumber. And you can, if you love plumbing and plumbing is you, if they're paying you to do something that's not part of your DNA, you know, not part of the reason you were born on this earth to whatever it is, be a car mechanic, be a plumber, be a carpet installer. You know, you see guys as we go through life that do these various jobs and they love it. And and I love guys like that. Those are the guys you want to hire to work on your house because that's mm. in their DNA. They're, you're paying them to be them, to figure out the problems, you know, carpet and there are carpet installers that go to shows, that go to the, the, the conventions about, you know, the new technology. You don't want to hire the guy that got the job installing carpets because his father did it and he has no other better choices. And, you know, that's not the guy you want. So you want to get paid to be you. And, you know, that's I, I'm giving James Victoria the props for, you know, pulling the hood, the, the, the wool off, off my eyes about that one. So hmm. and, and, you know, and Bob, you're getting paid to be you. That's, you know, you're, the endorsements and the things you're doing. You're getting paid to be Bob. And. You know, you got to own it. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Thank you. And excellent. I got the advice from James. So, James, thank you. Thanks, James. Yep. All right. Well, you guys, are we anything else on this? Yeah. 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 You didn't say what you thought well, about Twitter and marketing. Uh, I worked for ad agencies for 12 years before I did the YouTube thing full time. So, I've always been involved in advertising. And I see I'm a big follower of Gary V. And so I'm always trying to keep up on, on this stuff. And it's a balance. It's it's definitely a balance. I don't I I unfollow you on Instagram if you're doing giveaways and you're always promoting blah 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 and there's text in your like I want to see I want to see what you make. And so um, because I am disgusted with too much advertising, I try to not promote myself too much. So I, I rarely ever post about my books. I rarely ever post about my plans. People are like, you should put your logo up on the background. I like, I don't want to, I don't want to be pushy. I want the, I want to be like Jimmy Duresta and have the projects speak for themselves and have my personality be, be my own advertisement. So it, but every once in a while, I have to sell books. This is what this is how I make my living. I sell plants, so I do have to bring it up. But it, I feel like if I'm too pushy, then I'm pushing people away. But if I only mention it every once in a while, people are like, "Oh, let me go check that out." And so it's the like Gary V says, like jab, 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 just just little jabs. And then when you need to land that right hook, you can, and it's and it's more powerful. So it's a it's definitely a balance. I I'm very turned off by too much self-promotion and I use that as motivation to not promote myself too much. And maybe that hurts me a little bit, but I'm, but I'm okay with that because I am happy with the content that I'm making. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it. Like if, if that makes you uncomfortable in any way, you'll definitely be more happy with yourself and what you're putting out. If you're like sticking to like your gut there. Yeah. Hmm. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys Uh-oh. figure out what to... <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm giving you your cue to figure out what you're going to tell everybody about. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it. We do an after show, in case you don't know. It's a little extra uh, after this show. That's why we call it the after show. And it's a separate little audio file, separate feed, and you can only get that feed if you are a Patreon supporter. So you go there, and there's a separate RSS feed. You can load into your player and get that. And it's usually secret stuff. I think Jimmy said he had some secret stuff for this week, maybe. Oh, uh, I was going to talk about the company that we're honoring as far as this yeah. collaboration yeah. goes. Um, so anyway, if everybody who supports us at any level on Patreon uh, gets that after show. But there are kind of a top tier of people that help us out even more, and we are really grateful for them, and we like to say their name on the show. This is, this week, it's Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. Those are our top supporters. Big thanks to them. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out. Uh, we are really grateful. And if you want to get the after show or help us out, go to patreon.com slash making it and do that. And if you don't, then don't. That's cool. No big deal either way. Do we still have t-shirts for sale? It just dawned on me that like, that's a thing we never promote. Uh, um, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, somewhere over at Jupe Mode Supply, it, it's kind of a, it's screen printed, but it's screen printed on demand. And so they, they gather up all the, all the orders and they print them at the end of the month and then ship them out. Which is why when you order a t-shirt, it, you might not get it two days later. It's not Amazon Prime. So. Hmm. Oh, another thing. We got a message this week. Somebody asking me where they could find episodes one through 126 of the after show. And it dawned on me that we didn't have after the after show during those episodes because we didn't start it until around that. But we don't say that anywhere. <laughs> so I thought I would say it here. If you become a patron and you go back and you want to listen to all the after shows, they didn't start at the beginning. They started apparently at 127. So I will still try to email that person and respond to them. But in case I don't, you heard it here. All right, David, what you got? Yeah, this is a super awesome video. Maybe some of you have seen it. It is called Westinghouse All Electric House. And it's a video from the 50s. <laughs> I think I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's all futuristic. And some things came true, some things didn't. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. Uh it was kind of blowing up on 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 Reddit. So it's fun. Just Give it, a, give it a go. It, it's, it's, it's funny. Okay. Right Jimmy, what you got? Um, oh, uh, my buddy uh, Dave over at Parts and Restoration. He's, uh, he's very enthusiastic. You can follow him on Instagram, Parts and Restoration. And he's put out a couple of videos on YouTube. And he's, he's started out of nowhere couple years ago restoring tools and just jumping in the game and he's he's in philadelphia so go check out parts and restoration on instagram and youtube and give him a follow is that a is that a playoff parks and rec yep (laughs) totally yep yep yeah parts and restoration so he he restores a lot of old stuff cool um mine is a specific video from peter mckinnon we've talked about peter mckinnon before he's Mm -hmm. a filmmaker youtube guy does photography he's got just this kind of infectious um 
enthusiasm in his videos. Like he doesn't really do anything related to me or like stuff that I'm necessarily interested. Although apparently he's a leather worker, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, his videos are just really nice looking and he has a lot of energy. And so they're kind of fun to watch last week. Uh, I had kind of a, I was just grumpy and was kind of second guessing, um, the video that we had just put out. And I don't know, it was just kind of like in a, a evening funk. And so I watched this video that had been in my list. It's called Don't Stop Creating for Yourself. And it was just like, well, it's one of his videos, so I'll watch it. And the first portion of it is unrelated. It's just him talking about stuff and, you know, wasn't really... It didn't feel like it was aimed at me. And then at some point in the middle of that video, it felt like it was aimed right at me. And I was like, oh, mm. oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> so you got hot. It was, yeah, it was uh, it's just a really good video. And it talks about like creating for the sake of creating and like how we can get caught up in creating for our job and creating for this and to make sure that we're covering this thing and that thing and whatever. And he mentions about like finding a thing that you can still do that's a creative pursuit that's not related to your work, to your job work. That's just a thing that's for you. And maybe that's a part of your work as well, but just making sure that there is at least a piece of what you do throughout your day that is just scratching an itch inside you. I don't think he said that, but that's how it felt. Um, And it's a good video. It's like 17 minutes long. It's worth watching. I think it, no matter what you do, I think it's it's worth like having a little reignition about in your day, in all of the stuff that you have to do, making sure you make a little spot for yourself to keep, you know, to keep a fire going in the things that interest you. So check that ha- out. Hands down, my favorite creator on YouTube. Like his videos come out. I need to stop what I'm doing and watch them. Mm. So good. He is. Yeah, he is what Casey Neistat was three years ago or two years ago. Like he's just fantastic. Yeah. Yep. If anybody knows him, <laughs> get me in touch with him because I want to <laughs> hang out with him and I want to like make a video with him. But, um, cool. All right, you guys got anything else for this one? Not for this show. Ooh, after show time. After show. Time. Ooh. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, see you next time. Later. Bye. Thank you.